Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today, we just have a plethora of things to talk about. Mm. First and foremost is Hamilton. Oh, we saw it. On <laughs> July 3rd on Friday when it first came out. It only oh, took my. us four years to see Hamilton, but we did it. <laughs> and it didn't cost, well, cost you a little bit. Didn't cost me a penny. It cost me $6.99. $6.99, which mm. is probably, $6.99 probably would have been one of the nosebleed seats in the regular production of it. On oh, Broadway. it wouldn't even have gotten you parking. I meant $699. Oh! Like, yeah. get, get you to the nosebleed seats. But even then, yeah. I think they were going for over 1000 I think Broadway seats in general, and Hamilton in particular, are just crazy expensive. Yeah. And you know, I wanted to go see Bette Midler in Hello, Dolly when it opened, but it was so expensive. And when she won the Tony, she said, oh, come see the show. It's American. It, it's Thornton Wilder, and it will lift your spirits. And I posted on Facebook, at those prices, it should lift your face. <laughs> I knew where you were going with that. but oh, I know. It's an oldie, but a goodie. I'd never heard it before. Oh, good. At least I'm not repeating myself. Last week, since I just edited the show, I remembered. But you said something about feeling like you had accepted Lin-Manuel Miranda as a sort of new wave of... Yes, as the baton has been passed. Do you really feel that way between him and Sonny? Well, I mean, I think his genius is expressed differently. I don't think he's as musically intricate yeah. as Sondheim. But I think that his sense of what theater is and how he writes it is very individual and very forward moving. Huh. It struck me after we watched it on TV, just the very thought alone, even if he just conceived of the idea and had someone else write it, the thought of having Thomas Jefferson played by an African-American yeah. and deal with the slaveholding issue and turn it all like inside out three times is yeah. incredible. It, and it just, it moves your mind around in ways that you weren't expecting or weren't used to. And that's a lot of what Sondheim did with shows like Company, they came along when musicals were all about a story and love and whatever. Yeah. And they went into psychological and societal issues that people just didn't do in musicals. And, and so true. in that sense, I'd say that he's carrying on the tradition. The thing about Sondheim is no one but Sondheim did the kind of psychological examination right. that he did. I mean, he's singular. And I guess that, that in that way, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda is singular. In... And they also probably had a platform yeah. in the larger culture. You know, there may be other writers like them, but they were able to somehow bring together this originality and this ability to get it out there, get it produced, get it seen and reach an audience. Yeah, it's just interesting that he came out, he was such an enfant terrible, you know, he yeah. came out sort of full-blown with In the Heights, which won right. numerous awards. I, I'm almost positive it won the Tony. Right, and his story's so cute because, I mean, I don't read a lot of interviews with him, but what I've heard him say is that he wrote these musicals because <laughs> ties back to Sondheim. He said the only role he could be cast in was Bernardo. <laughs> yes, in West Side <laughs> Story. story. And yeah. how was he going to make a career out of that? <laughs> so he decided to write his own shows. So yeah. it was different in that Sondheim was never a performer. Exactly. Right. And yeah, that's right. He's not a performer. That's another difference. And honestly, I, I feel I'm going to be considered a heretic for saying this, but I felt that his performance was the weakest of all of the actors in the production. I, he had the weakest voice. I mean, he was very good. He was very, very yeah, good. Yeah. But I could see someone else playing his role where I couldn't see anybody else playing the other people's roles. Oh, yeah. You know, I couldn't see anybody else but David Diggs being Jefferson in Lafayette. And I couldn't see anybody else but, is his name Leslie Odom Jr.? I think that's his name, playing Burr. And oh, yeah. Christopher Jackson playing Washington. I mean, all of those people were just indelible to me. Whereas 
was mm-hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda. I, I had heard that there was somebody who was like the sexy Hamilton who came out oh. and that he was really great. And before I saw it, I thought, well, that's strange because he's got to be iconic in that role. But I could see someone else playing that part. I thought he did great. I remember just the first number where he's, the, I think the song is called Alexander, Alexander Hamilton. I, yeah, I thought he was vulnerable and emotionally there and raw and present and everything. Yeah, but, um, perhaps I'm being too harsh. I don't I know. I was just really, he's an original voice. That's what's so exciting about him, I think. It's true. Of course, I got the room where it happened stuck in my head, but it occurred to me that it might have been, I see what you think, but there might have been a little of someone in a tree in there. There was a little bit about that, like they weren't really in that room. And so Burr wants to be in the room where it happens and someone oh, in yeah. isn't in the room where it happens. Yeah, that, that well, and that's what I thought about the song when I heard it. I'd heard the song out of the context of the whole show. I think I'd seen oh, it on really? the Tony Awards or somewhere. I'd seen that song performed. So I knew that song, but it right away reminded me of Somewhere in a Tree because they're talking about oh, it not, be, not being in the room, but yet being near the room or being able to see or hear. Yeah. But but then I took my history course on Amazon and learned that that's a real element of the story of the Continental Congress was that they did keep it, all the proceedings secret. They didn't let anybody know what was going on because I, they, they were too afraid that people would riot if they knew that they were going to yeah. form a whole new constitution. Apparently that wasn't their original mandate to begin with. I've got to watch that series. It sounds fascinating. It's fun. It's called A Skeptic's Guide to U.S. History. By the way, I learned that with your Amazon Prime, you can get a free download of the cast album of Hamilton. Wow. I did it. Oh, that's cool. I'd love to listen to it because as we were saying as we watched it, it's hard to hear the words as you're going along. And I spoke to a a younger person, a friend of mine, who said she had a hard time understanding the words too. Yeah, I noticed in the cast album, they enunciate very clearly. It almost seems like they're going a little bit slower, and I, I'm probably wrong about that, but it could be. because they had their mouths right up to the microphones, they were right. really, really... I making... think they do make adjustments when they record those albums, because the experience of singing for the singers, it's different in a theater than in yes, a recording yeah. studio. I just thought it was great. I thought it was such an event, a theatrical mm-hmm. event, that people mm-hmm. were sort of like, well, what, you know, what night should we see it on Friday night or should we wait until Saturday night or? Well, of course, now Google and YouTube know that I watched it because now when I bring up YouTube, they bring up all of these little ancillary videos that have to do with Hamilton. And the plus side of having totally lost my privacy is that they show these really cool YouTubes that have to do with the show Hamilton. One of them, for example, was a tour of the orchestra pit underneath the stage. And the conductor who we saw briefly in the version that we saw, he took a little bow at the end. He shows them the keyboard that he has in front of him and the sheet music that he uses. And then you get to go down underneath and see where all the the musicians are under the stage. It's very claustrophobic looking. But what really struck me was the very kind of positive, upbeat, friendly attitude that they had. It it seemed as though that whole production has, or at least had at the time this video was made, that there's positive energy. There's positive energy in the ensemble, including the technicians. That's so great. You would hope that that would be true because it goes along with who he is and how he himself. Right. I mean, he gave a free performances of Hamilton in Puerto Rico after the hurricane there because he was so insulted that Trump threw paper towels at oh, people. Yeah. He's from Puerto Rico and his grandparents lived there. I mean, he does seem to have a really good soul. Good energy. Exactly. He's the kind of person you can't be jealous of their success because he just seems like such a good guy. There's a wonderful interview with him 
again with Terry Gross on mm. Fresh Air that's mm -hmm. worth listening to because I thought it was a rebroadcast of one that I'd heard already, but this one is actually about the production and just, you know, what he's doing in lockdown. You said this is the one where he's, he looked at himself and he, his comment on how he looked in the video version of Hamilton was that he looks really tired. tired. Yes. He did right. look tired. He did look tired, but it kind of worked for the character. Yeah, you figure, hey, he's building a country. He's going to be tired. <laughs> Doesn't it, take as a George Bush taught us, it's hard work. Darn hard work. So huh? two thumbs up for Hamilton. Two thumbs, all thumbs up. I guess that's all we have is two. <laughs> as I was watching Philippa Sue play um, Eliza, the, the wife in Hamilton, oh, yeah. I listened to her range, and you know, you said something about her. Her, her face. face. She has all these resonance chambers in her face. <laughs> which gave me a whole different thing to look at when I... If you look at opera singers, you'll see they have faces like that. So Just, interesting. Yeah, but anyway, I interrupt. She's playing, or she was scheduled in 2016. I guess there was a production of Wicked that was scheduled to be filmed. Uh -huh. She was cast as Elphaba, the Wicked Witch. And That's the Adina Menzel. Right. I don't have anything else that was amazing like Hamilton. How about you? Well, my video watching is not expanded too much. I did just binge watch a Polish crime series called The Woods that's on oh. Netflix. And oh. I liked it a lot. And I was telling a friend why I liked it. And I realized I liked it because the lead actor was so engaging. And I don't know his name because he's a Polish actor. He reminds me of Kenneth Branagh. And he's so likable. I think that's what carried me through it. But you know, it was my style of show. The murders weren't as gory and brutal as the ones that tend to happen in the genre that I like, the Scandi noir types or Nordic noir. If you like crime series that have a psychological component to them, then this is just right. What's on my watch list next is and have you seen Uncut Gems with yeah. um, Adam Sandler? It's so intense, yes. People are saying it's really good, so I, that's on my watch list. It's really good. It is like having an anxiety attack. Wow. I mean, it's so visceral and huh. so tense. Wow. And, yeah, have a glass of wine before uh -huh. you start, Chill because, out a little. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Just... I, I wanted to check in with you about what's going on with the pandemic because oh. you know me, I'm not that paranoid. I try mm -hmm. to be careful. I realized that I didn't use a hand sanitizer at your place as much as I probably oh, well, should. It was just there in case some people feel better using it. That's all. It wasn't a hint. Oh, okay. I thought maybe I was being negligent, but I'm, I've just been hearing how horrible the disease is as far as recovery from it is not a given. And you right. know, you can be scarred for life. Your lungs can be scarred. I mean, people have had lung transplants in order to mm -hmm. overcome it. It's well, not like... It's not the yeah, flu. It's not the flu. There are people who have mild symptoms, like Catherine's roommate almost certainly had it because she was sick for two weeks. She had a cough. She had a fever. Right, right. She was very, very sick. But she got over it in two weeks. Right. But that doesn't sound like a given. Do you yeah, know what I mean? it seems too like it, it affects different people differently in terms of severity and in terms of the kind of the symptoms. Yes. Yeah, you can't just say, oh, if I got it, then I can expect X, Y, and Z symptoms. It's more exactly. like... You're, you're on your own path and it might be over very quickly or it might drag on. So. And one of the things about the Texas outbreak is that it's really targeting people between 20 and 40. Mm -hmm. That's what the big surge has been. But right. those people don't wear masks. I mean, they're insane. I was looking for my paper. I think I threw it away already. But one of the headlines was about the rampant doubling and tripling of the numbers of people who are infected uh -huh. and said in Texas, mask wearing is up to the individual. And someone was quoted as saying, we're done with all that. You know? Oh, yeah as if anybody can be done with it. I have this from the site I go to. This is California COVID cases. Over, oh, yeah. I would have thought over 65 is the highest number, right? 
people over 65 who have it or have had it are just under 35,000. From 50 to 64, 52,000. From 18 to 49, 151,000. Get out of here. That's the biggest oh group, 18 to 49. I guess you could probably break it down further, but oh yeah, I guess if you're younger, your symptoms sometimes can tend to be less severe, but- Well, that's um, what intense would have us think. Yeah, but they're talking about these super spreaders that go to these events where there's tons of people around. Right, but now you probably know more about this than I do. All I know is that it said in the paper today in a little blurb that a lot of people who have the virus don't infect other people, but there are these, what are called super spreaders mm-hmm. that affect tons of people mm-hmm. and I guess they have to be around a, a lot of people who aren't wearing masks and aren't social distancing. Right. They go to bars and beaches and all of that. Oh, so that's how that happens. I okay. think so. I'm not, not an expert on it, but that's what I think I've heard. So it's like one monster case. just. Yeah. But then if you go to one of those events, then there's going to be a lot of super spreaders from those events because there's just a lot of people there. You mean like a rally or something like that? Like a rally. Exactly. You heard yeah. about Don Jr.'s girlfriend has COVID? No. Kimberly Guilfoyle, I think is her name. That's her name. Yeah, she's got it. Your birds are extremely sedate tonight. They are, and I'm not sure why. We started at the same time last time. I got lucky, I guess. Maybe they're tired because they were up late listening to fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, I tired my one out because one of the most hysterical things I can do with this bird, with any bird, any conure that I've had is give them a bath. Oh, yeah. They go insane. I'll send you a YouTube of what it looks like to have a bird that go, I can't even describe it. They just go nuts. Happy nuts? Do they love Happy it or? Or just confused. No, 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 no. They love it. But they get under the water and then they get wet and then they back up and they flutter their feathers. All right. Right. You think they hate it, but then they dive under the water again. And oh, they, how fun. It's a ton of fun. And I gave my bird a bath, or he was introduced to the, the idea of the bath, and he is now very tired. Oh. <laughs> very, very tired. <laughs> I have that problem sometimes when I take a shower. <laughs> it's just so exciting. The water and all. Anyway, where were we? Oh, Kimberly Guilfoyle has it. Well, I wonder how she got it. Gee, maybe one of those rallies she went to. Maybe she's a super spreader. Maybe she is. There were many people at that Tulsa rally that got it that were diagnosed with it. Like right. 12. Secret Service got it. And they yeah. had to quarantine a bunch of Secret Service See. officers. And I just don't know where this could go, is my mm-hmm. problem. If half of the country is against wearing masks and against right. social distancing and against just believing in it altogether, then what could happen? What? I mean, really, what could happen? Could we all get it? I feel like that's too paranoid a scenario, but if it's untamped and it's spreading through this kind of aerosol that we all have if we're unmasked, mm-hmm. then I feel like eventually it's going to, it's going to be like continuing Well, maybe the states that have fought responsible behavior are now having their hospitals overwhelmed, so maybe they'll come along. It's like the states that turned down Obamacare, but now they finally realize they need it. They need the Medicare funds for their people to get covered, so maybe they'll just rise up. I mean, we all should be following New York's lead. I I wish they'd just put Cuomo in charge of the whole country, as far as COVID goes. Yeah, but, 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 but we locked down earlier than New York did, and we're in terrible shape. But I don't think they opened like we 
did. Newsom relaxed us. He said, oh, we're going to phase two. And then in a few weeks, we're going to go to phase three. And people were out. It was because out. of all the business pressure. I read right. something about it, that he was pressured by all the big business interests. And Well, I'm hopeful happened. that by getting stricter, we can bring it back down. And I think some of those states that were very cavalier are getting a rude awakening. So I think they'll get more careful as well. So I, I don't know. I have a kind of an optimistic view of what is possible. Plus, I think, too, it's going to become clear if it's not already that the damage to the economy will be worse by relaxing too soon and letting things spread and therefore make the whole thing last months or years longer than it ordinarily would. So I think average Americans are going to start to see that it's to your economic advantage to be more careful up front, even though it does mean economic pain in the near term. Yeah. One of the sort of psychological snafus that I observe is this idea that the economy created 4.8 million jobs, even though another million and five people applied for unemployment. So there are all these jobs that were created and that means Trump is a genius. putting that on blast. Mm-hmm. that he's created all of these jobs and that the economy is going to come roaring back. But mm-hmm. what concerns me really is I'm not terribly vulnerable for this, but so many people are, that there won't be any more stimulus. And we need stimulus. That's what our country needs right now because mm-hmm. people are unemployed. And I don't care how many people got reemployed, they're also going to be unemployed very soon. Definitely, definitely. Especially if we go back into lockdown, which I, I suspect that California might. Well, I read that Trump's all for that because he wants to do what will endear the trailer park bunch with him and they need those funds as much as everybody else but that McConnell's against it because he's so entrenched with the corporate classes so when it comes to another stimulus check or for extending those $600 add-ons to the unemployment checks that Trump's not what I've heard is Trump himself is not so much against that but it's it's coming from McConnell. That makes that makes sense because then he gets to write his name on the check. It oh, says, that's right. Hey, at this point, if it floats his boat. Let him write his name. At this point, I don't care anymore. But yeah, Pelosi made a good comment this week about how McConnell was just fine giving billions of dollars away to the top one percent in the last yeah. tax. They call yeah. it a tax cut, as a tax redistribution. But the idea of six hundred dollars to somebody who might be not able to pay their rent this month, who doesn't have a job because of this, that's a handout. It's and a we handout shouldn't do because- that. It's so. I know. To that end, there's a wonderful article in the Sunday Review today in the New York Times called The Economy We Need. Now, it is long. I started reading it and I had to stop because it's it's all 16 pages of this section. It's wow. usually reserved for op-eds and things like that. But oh, if I wanted that, I would I would subscribe to The New Yorker. <laughs> I think you should tell the New York, give the New York Times a piece of your mind. I don't want to give them the last piece. (laughs) That's true. Anyway, it's wonderful. And Richard Wright, who do I follow? He was Clinton's- Oh, uh, Robert Wright. Robert Wright. FDR recreated the economy so that the workers were an equal part of the economy. Now the workers are an afterthought. Mm -hmm. And how that happened, it's really great to read because sometimes my mind gets jumbled about capitalism and all the rest of it. And the subtitle is How to Save Democracy from Capitalism and Save Capitalism from Itself. Before all of the George Floyd protests and all the rest of it, I believed that there was going to come a time when the haves and the have-nots were going to be 
so far separated that we were going to have another French Revolution. Yeah. Because it can't go on like this. The majority can't be kept in the kind of oppression that they are. It's true. And part of the problem I think we have faced is that the very people who need to be empowered in the labor class have been hypnotized that what's good for them is bad for them. Yes. So unionization so is bad. bad. Yes. Healthcare. Healthcare is bad. $600 extra a month is bad. There's been this wholesale brainwashing of the working class, or yes. a large portion of them, to act against their self-interest. Yeah, and, that's... and think that they're helping themselves that way because they identify with this myth they have of the successful American. And somehow that ideology is so bizarre to me that I can't really quite wrap my head around it. I just can't get there. When you think of it, Trump's the perfect person for this moment. Not perfect in the sense of being a good influence, but a perfect embodiment of what's happened to us because he's someone who has never been able to make a single business succeed everything he's done has gone bankrupt yeah. and he has held up as the picture of success. Yeah, so he's true. almost like the poster child for how blinded we've become. That's very true. Well, hopefully we won't have him to kick around anymore after. Oh God, I hope so. And then hopefully after January 20th, we can kick him through the courts. Yes. I'm watching, by the way, one of my new subscriptions on YouTube. I'm letting go of my subscription on narcissists and how to deal with them. I'm moving on in life. I took on a new subscription, Glenn Kirshner. He does a 10-minute YouTube daily, a rant usually of someone kind or another, and I just love him. Stephanie just loves mm -hmm. him too. She he's always talks about him. He is. He's passionate, he's real, and he's experienced. He worked in the U.S. Attorney's Office somewhere in this country, oh. in D.C., I think it was, for decades. So, I mean, he's really knowledgeable. And, he, and that's paired with his righteous outrage over what's happened to the country. And it's, so it's very satisfying. Okay, I will make a note. Now, your birthday is coming up in <sighs> yes. five days. I'll have my new Adidas face coverings by then. <laughs> so I'm very excited. Yeah. I think you just got Brooks Brothers face coverings. I did, but they weren't enough. I needed blue ones. So. Oh, good. But won't you also be getting your retirement? August the 10th is my first check. I am very, very excited. I bet you are. There'll be no living with you now. Oh, I know. So that Samsung S20 has my name on it. That... I was going to say there'll be Amazon boxes stacked up to the top I... of the door. I actually see it. Well, I think we, we covered all the bases. I guess that's going to do it for us for right now. So it's time to say goodbye to our boomerangst friends. Hi, boomers, and bye, boomers. <laughs> Stay safe. Wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, mask up, girlfriend. And we'll talk to you again in a week. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>